going to invite you to turn to the last book of the Bible, to Revelation chapter 21 and also chapter 22. And we're going to look at the seven wonders of heaven tonight. And I see there's enough room on the bottom of your uh, liturgy for tonight's service that you could write them down here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and maybe you can guess what they are before we say what they are. But we're going to look at the seven wonders of heaven in the first verses of Revelation 21 and then also in the first verses of 22. Let's look at Revelation 21 verses 1 through 4 and see what it says there. In verse 1 it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Then let's turn to chapter 22, and we're going to look at the first five verses there, just the first five verses, because that tells us so much about what's in store for us, too. Verse 1 says in the last chapter of the Bible, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And no longer will there be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. May God bless us as we look at this part of his inspired and his infallible word to us tonight. Dear people of God, people might ask you, why would they talk about heaven tonight in church? What, what, what is the reason? Because there's so many things on earth going on, so many things we can talk about, about what we should do on earth or what God wants us to be like on earth. So why would we spend time looking at heaven when there's so much to talk about here on earth. And I think there's two reasons for this. And and I believe the first reason is simply this, that the Bible tells us that this earth is not our permanent home. We are strangers here within a foreign land. We are those who know that our permanent home is in heaven. And, And so whenever you look forward to going someplace else, you're curious about that place. You wonder what it's like. Uh, When we moved from Denver, Colorado to Cicero, Illinois, back in 1957, I remember that my dad came back to us in Denver, and he told us all the things that he knew about where we were going to live in Cicero, Illinois. And we were curious. We all wanted to know, what is it going to be like when we make this move? Well, that's how we feel about heaven. One of the reasons we want to know more about heaven is it's our permanent home, and, and we're anxious to know what it's going to be like. But a second reason, and I think this is one that many of us feel as we get older more and more, is that as those that we love have already gone to be in heaven with God, 
we wonder what it's like for them. We wonder, what is it like, that, that first moment when you see God in heaven? My mother died last uh, May, and uh, before she died, I spent some time talking to her on a Sunday morning. And after I had spent time talking to her and, and, and sharing with her the scriptures about being sure of our salvation, because she had these, these questions about whether she was good enough, she was 98 years old, and she had loved the Lord all her life, but she said, maybe I'll get there, and he'll say, you aren't good enough. And so I talked to her for a couple of hours, and then the very next day, all of a sudden, my mother was completely calm and didn't move a muscle and wouldn't talk. The doctors couldn't figure out what was happening. They said, she's not in a coma. She's not had a stroke. They did tests. We have no idea why she's like this, but she's not moving at all. And I remember going close to her and talking to her, and I've done this many times when people are dying, and sometimes their eyes will twitch or they'll reach out a hand or there'll be some signal that they can hear you. There was nothing from my mother, and it lasted for 24 hours. And so we thought this was the end of her life probably, and we cried and we prayed together as uh, brothers and sister. And then all of a sudden, at the end of that day, her eyes began to open. And pretty soon, she could tell us yes or no with her eyes blinking. And then pretty soon, her hands and her arms began to move. And pretty soon, she was able to use her body again. And then our mother told us something that I never expected her to say. She said, I was talking with God. And she said, you know that, that, that book about this boy who died and went to heaven? I always thought that was just his imagination, but now I know it wasn't. And my mother had what you might call as a near-death experience. And what happened is that she told us that she talked to God and he talked back to her and she could still hear her, him talking to her. And then what happened, which was so unusual, is that for that week and the following week, for three weeks until the day she died, my mother was like euphoric. She was just beaming and she wanted to share everybody with everybody what what she had heard from God and how wonderful it's going to be when she will see him and my mother was like on you know not a hundred percent but a hundred and fifty percent just on cloud nine just euphoric and, and my mother was brought up in the Netherlands reformed church the true Dutch reformed and most of them are not very euphoric at all and she was never that way as long as I had known her but it was such a joy to us to know that my mother had said I had talked to God, and I'm not afraid now, and I'm ready to go. And she was absolutely excited. What was she so excited about? What made her so excited, and what can make us so excited tonight? The seven wonders of heaven. We want to know what it's like. The first wonder is that such a place as heaven exists. When you think about it, when you hear in the Bible here about the wonders of heaven, and you read the description it talks about the new heaven and the new earth and what, what John saw here as he said, there's no sea of separation anymore. There's nothing to separate us. And he talks about the, the wonder of God uh, prepared this place that's like the bride prepared for her husband. The beauty of the bride as she sees her husband for the very first time. And you, you, you see the description here and you hear in the rest of the book of Revelation about the streets of gold symbolizing the beauty of heaven and the gates of pearl. And you read in the scriptures about how it's a place where 
uh, there is such joy, but also it's the place where there's a place for us there. And the Bible tries to show us in these different glimpses of streets of gold and gates of pearl and a, a rainbow surrounding the throne of God and the 24 elders representing the Old and the New Testament church. And, and as you read it in the Bible, you realize you can't imagine how wonderful it is. That's what God's telling us here. In fact, he says that. in the, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, No eye has seen it, no ear has heard. It's never even entered into anyone's imagination the things that God has prepared for us in Jesus Christ. And that's such a wonder to us, that there's this place that is so beautiful and so wonderful that you can't imagine it. It, it, it can't even fill our imagination. God just gives us little glimpses or else we would not be satisfied to stay here anymore. In my church in Orland Park, I have a, a, a man who uh, has been blind since birth. And his name is Joe. And I've said to Joe, he always sits in the front seat and he always uh, reads with his fingers in Braille the songs that we sing. And one time I said to Joe, I said, Joe, when you hear us talk about colors like red or green or blue, Joe, what do you think of? What's it like for you? And Joe always says to me, I have no idea. I don't know what red is. I don't know what green is. And try to describe red to somebody who can't see and has never seen it. Try to describe blue or green or orange. You can't do it because it's not part of their realm of what they experience. And that's the same thing with heaven. A place that's so wonderful and so beautiful that we can't imagine what it is like. The first wonder of heaven is that such a place exists. And God didn't have to make it, and he didn't have to say that we could go there, but God says that to us. A place more wonderful than you can possibly imagine. A place that will bring you into the, the, the best joy that you've ever had in all of your existence. That's what heaven is. And it's a place. Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. And Jesus said, and I will come back and I'm going to take you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. But what a wonderful place. You know, trying to describe it is sort of like, I was thinking today when I grew up in Cicero, uh, the biggest building in uh, downtown Chicago was the Prudential Building. Some of you remember when that was a big deal, the Prudential Building. And Dick Biondi used to broadcast from there at night. And uh, we would go downtown and that was a wonder. Now, can you imagine if from 1965 to now in 2015-16, all of a sudden somebody was going downtown Chicago today and saw all of our skyscrapers, 95 stories high. They were saying, I can't believe what's happened. I've never seen anything like this. 50 years ago, people hadn't seen Chicago like it is today. But you and I know that we can't imagine the wonders of heaven, it's more beautiful than anything we can describe. But then the second wonder, and there is another one here in chapter 21, is the wonder of what is not there. Look at verse 4 of chapter 21. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. And then it says, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And then verse 4, and here's what will not be in heaven. He will wipe away 
every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more death there. There will be no more mourning. There's going to be no more crying. And there's going to be no more pain. All the former things have passed away. Now that's something else that thrills us when we hear about heaven because there will be no tears. There's not going to be death. There'll be no separation. Uh, There will be no temptations. There'll be no sin. There'll be no guilt. God is going to take all those limitations away from our lives. And God is going to bring us into that place that is at perfect harmony and peace with him and with one another. That, that, that wonder of what will not be there is part of it. And then chapter 22 says in verse 3, there will be no curse there anymore. There's not going to be a curse. It will be wiped away. There will be no sin, no temptation, no curse anymore. And there will be no night there, it says in verse 5 of chapter 22. Uh, the wonderful glory of God shines forever there. No night. You know, often we associate night, darkness, with things that are difficult for us, with things that are frightening to us. I talk to people who have lost their loved ones and repeatedly they say, the hardest time for me is when it gets dark at night and I'm alone. I feel alone because she's not with me anymore. I feel alone because he's not there. No darkness at all, no night there, because the glory of God will shine brightly forever and ever. So that's two of the wonders, that such a place exists. The wonder of what will not be there is just as important as what will be there. But the third thing is the wonder of heaven's perfect harmony. There is perfect harmony there. Chapter 22, verse 3 tells us that we will serve the Lord his, angel, his servants will serve him as we join him in heaven. And as we join him in heaven, as we serve him there, there's not a trace in this book of Revelation of any hint that there's any disharmony. And you and I know that in this world, we live in a world where there's so much that divides us. Sometimes we're divided by age. Sometimes we're divided by, by race. Sometimes we're divided by uh, religious convictions or political convictions, especially in a year like this year. There are things that divide us. Sometimes we're divided by uh, the, the work that we do. And sometimes we're divided and we're separated by space. There's going to be none of those limitations in heaven. None of the limitations on earth of space and distance and time that limit us here. Carol and I have two of our children that live here in the Chicago area, and two of our children live in Denver, Colorado, and and they live there with their families. And we're separated by a thousand miles. We see them a couple of times a year. And we talk on the phone as much as we can, but we're separated here on earth. In heaven, these separations and these things that divide us are no longer there. There's perfect harmony between God and us between the servants of God and one another. There's not a trace of enmity. There's not a trace of jealousy in heaven. There's not a trace of rivalry there. It's a place of perfect harmony with God and with others and within ourselves. What a wonderful place heaven is. What a wonder it is. But then the fourth one is this, that there's the wonder of seeing Jesus face to face. And I haven't put these in an order of importance because they aren't really in that order. 
These are all important. And of course, the most important thing is to be there with Jesus Christ. And this is what it says in chapter 22 here. It tells us that we shall see him face to face. We will see his face, chapter 22, verse 4. And in chapter 21, verse 3, it says, the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and he will be their God. And it tells us here that we will not ever be separated from Jesus again. We will see him not just at a distance, and we're not just going to see him and then he'll be taken away from us. You know, here on earth, sometimes we see people who have lots of power, like the president of the United States. I remember when I was a boy in Denver, we were in Denver when I was in uh, grade school, and uh, President Eisenhower would come to Denver. How many of you remember when he was president? Anybody? You're old, and so am I. Okay. But I remember his motorcade coming by. My dad had his Argus C3 camera, and he took a picture as Ike went past, and we were watching him. He was in a, I think it was a yellow Cadillac at the time. And it was a thrill to see the President of the United States. And we saw him face to face. And then maybe some of you have seen presidents face to face. And maybe you've even shaken their hands. But then they're gone. But in heaven, we will see him face to face. And we're going to see him in all of his glory, something no one on earth could ever see. We're going to see God in all of his splendor. It is so bright in heaven. The, the, the Bible tells us that when Moses came down from the mountain and he had the Ten Commandments in his hands, his face shone so much and it was so bright from the presence of the God, not seeing God fully face to face, but in the presence of God, that he had to cover his face with a veil. That's how bright his face shone from reflecting the glory of God. But in heaven... We're going to see him face to face because we are going to be made perfectly righteous in Jesus Christ. And we can stand before him and we can join the saints that have gone before us. And what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. And when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. There's nothing in all the world like it the day that we look forward to seeing our Savior, Jesus Christ. When I see my mother's joy for those three weeks, I've never seen anything like it lasting three weeks before she died and how she had said she had talked to God and he had called her by name and she was so euphoric. I know that we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of going to heaven it's going to be more glorious and more wonderful than you and I can possibly imagine. And that's the fifth wonder of heaven. It's this wonder that I can go to heaven, that you can go to heaven, that we can be there, that someday I can go to heaven too. That it's not just for other people that are better than I am or other people who have done more than I've done, but God is the one who says that you can know that you will go to heaven. I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And then it says, I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And there's a period there, which means that's forever. You're not going to have to leave. It's your permanent home to be there in the very presence of God and to be with those saints that have gone before us 
and to be around the throne of God and to be able to praise him in, in, in pure adoration and, and worship. What a day that will be. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but oh, the bliss when I awake within the palace of the king, and I shall see him face to face. Now tell the story, saved by grace, and I shall see him face to face. You know, some of you have gone to wonderful homes on earth like uh, the White House, and one time my wife and I went there and we toured the White House, and then a year ago, we even went to Buckingham Palace, and we were able to go through the rooms on the main floor. But you can't just go into the White House, and you can't just go into Buckingham Palace and say, okay, I'm going to spend the night here. I think I'm going to live here now for the rest of my life. You can't do that, because you may visit, you may see a beautiful home here on earth, but you can't stay there. You're not part of the family. But here the Bible tells us that God will dwell with his people and he will live with them and he will be with them and he will be their God and they shall reign with him forever and ever, it says in the Bible. What a wonder that, that I can go to heaven and that it's my home, my real home. Well, that's the fifth wonder of heaven. But there are two more. The next wonder And this is something you might not always think about, but it's the wonder that heaven will never grow old. It's never going to change. You think about that because here on earth, Satan works, and he works in such a way that he destroys things on earth. That's his purpose. He wants to destroy people. He wants to destroy people's faith in God, and he wants to destroy them in any way he can. But he he is destructive. And ever since the fall, this world has been covered by the curse, and things get old, and they decay. There's that song we sometimes sing, change and decay, and all around I see, but thou who changest not abide with me. But you know that here in this world, uh, things are always wearing out, they're destroyed. Our bodies, because of the curse, because of the fall, our bodies wear out. Our bodies aren't the same. We're losing uh, cells every day. We're losing uh, parts of our strength every day as we live. Even the finest athlete can have his body wear out and fall apart. But that's not the way it is in heaven. In heaven, everything is going to remain new. God says here in verse 1 of chapter 21, Behold, I am making everything new, he says. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, it says. And God says, I am making everything new. The old order of things has passed away, it says in verse 4. And God says to us, you can be encouraged today because in heaven you'll never see the changing the sadness of seeing the slow decay of our bodies and the slow decay of our minds and the slow decay of the world around us. Everything is eternally new in heaven. Time and space, and uh, it, it destroys things here on earth, but heaven will be a place that nothing grows old. You know, they used to call Rome the eternal city, But there's no eternal city on earth. Every city, Chicago, New York, Rome, Paris, all these cities on earth are someday going to be no more. They're all decay. You look at the ancient world and you see how every one of those cities is not what it was 
in its prime, and so it will be with every city on earth. But God says to us, I am making everything new. It will never grow old. The new heaven and the new earth. And then there's one last. There's a seventh wonder. And I think that's so important as long as with all the rest. And that's the wonder of what the Bible says is the condition to get to heaven. The condition is so different than what people think. Because the Bible tells us that the condition to get to heaven, it's so, it's so plain. Uh, Nicodemus asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus just simply said in John 3, verse 3, you must be born again. And John didn't, or Nicodemus didn't understand to be born again. I, I can't do that. I can't enter my mother's womb again. What are you talking about? And then Jesus says that whoever believes in Jesus, the Father so loved the world, whoever believes in his only begotten Son, will not perish but have everlasting life. The Holy Spirit must open our heart to trust in Jesus and to believe in him. And it's only by his grace and only through faith. It's a gift of God that we can get to heaven. So many people think, well, when I stand before God, he's going to look at all the good things I did. And that, that, that's much better than the bad things I've done. There, I've done bad things. I haven't always said the right thing. I haven't had a right attitude all the time. But you know, my bad things aren't like some people. I, I've never killed anybody, and I've, and, and I've really been a faithful husband to my wife, and I love my children, and I don't swear too much, and I go to church all the time. So when you think of all the good things I do, God's going to let me into heaven. And Jesus says, no, that's not the point. Jesus says, unless you're born again, unless you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. The Bible says in Revelation that our robes must be washed white in the blood of Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way. It's not by trying to be good. Or, or some people, I really believe that some people think that, well, if I was baptized in the right church, and that happens to be the Christian Reformed Church, and I went to church as a child, I'm saved. That's, that's what it means. And no, Jesus says, being baptized doesn't save you. Coming to communion doesn't save you. Going to church doesn't save you. It's what's in your heart. If you love the Lord Jesus and you believe that he died for your sins, you can be sure that you don't have to be afraid of death and you don't have to be afraid of those last moments on earth as you repent and come to him. Just as I am, we sometimes sing, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. You know, another wonder, and it's not one of the seven wonders, is that more people don't prepare for heaven. So many people in this world think that this is all there is. So many people just live for today. Jesus talks about that. They, they keep going on as if there's no eternity. And, and, and what a tragedy that is that so many people don't know or don't accept what Jesus says. But you and I, we know what the scriptures tell us. We know about the seven wonders of heaven. And we know that Jesus is calling us to be ready for that day when we will stand before him. And he will ask us, why should I let you into my heaven? And we can say, because Jesus died for my sins. He calls us back to him tonight. And I, I hope my prayer is that every one of us, every one of us here tonight has that faith to trust in Jesus to know that we don't have to be afraid. We can look forward to the seven wonders of heaven.